Russell and Dave Brown right along ringside. By golly, we're about ready to go with more big action. Thank you very much, and welcome to Georgia Championship Wrestling. I'm Gordon Sully, your host, and we have quite an hour in store for us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Championship Wrestling at ringside. This is Vince McMahon, along with wrestling's only living legend, Bruno Sammartino. Welcome to this week's edition of Mid-South Wrestling Television. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce, another outstanding card. Hey, guys, and welcome back to the Regional Wrestling Podcast, where we talk the territories guaranteed 100 territory talk each and every time out here on the show i am your host ray russell and welcome back to another edition of regional wrestling featuring guest co-host jamie ward as we continue on with georgia championship wrestling in the year of 1981 going to close out the month of february and look at some of the early part of the month of march as well here this week including two episodes of georgia championship wrestling tv and another big omni card Sandwich right there in the middle. That's right, we're going to talk the NWA World Heavyweight Championship match. Harley Race defending against Tony Atlas inside a steel cage. Plus the Fantasia Gamble match. The fabulous Freebirds concocted as they take on the trio of Ted DiBiase, Robert Fuller, and the Junkyard Dog at the Omni. And then before we close out today's edition, it's the return to Georgia of Somebody Say Something About Fired Up. It's Wildfire Tommy Rich back. And Georgia Championship Wrestling, all of that and more upcoming here this week on the Regional Wrestling Podcast. But before we get there, just a friendly reminder, you can listen to the Regional Wrestling Podcast along with sister shows like the Wrestling Memory Grenade and Monday Warfare, the Battles Within where we talk Raw versus Nitro, the Weekly Chronicle of the Monday Night War, all of that and more all part of the WrestleCopia brand located over at the WrestleCopia Podcast Network at WrestleCopia.com. That's WrestleCopia.com and everywhere your podcast streaming needs are met. From Apple to Spotify, Google, and beyond. Over there at the Wrestling Memory Grenade right now, we're in the month of August of 1987. In that 87 project in the WWF, the battle for Bam Bam Bigelow has begun. We've also seen our first look at Ravishing Rick Rude. The Million Dollar Man vignettes continue on. Ken Patera going to suffer a injury that'll slow down his feud with the Heenan family. All of that and more going on right now on the Wrestling Memory Grenade podcast. And then over on Monday Warfare, just posted the July 22nd edition of the Monday Night War. Over on Nitro, good matches like Chavo Guerrero Jr. making his Nitro debut against Dean Malenko. Also, Psychosis looking for revenge and a rematch with Eddie Guerrero from two weeks prior there on Nitro. Plus six-man tag team action sees the Horseman take on the team of Sting, Lex Luger, and the Macho Man, Randy Savage. All of that and more on Nitro as we head into the Hog Wild pay-per-view. Meanwhile, over on Raw, WWF Tag Team Champions, the Smoking Guns, battling the Intercontinental Champion Ahmed Johnson and WWF Champion Shawn Michaels. Plus, it's HBK's birthday, and Sonny has a surprise for Shawn, but it's HBK and Ahmed who get the last laugh there. And if that wasn't enough, it's the Raw debut of The Goon, as well as the WWF debut of Ron Simmons. Damn! All of that and more on Monday Warfare. And a reminder, you guys can follow me on social media. Follow me on Twitter at Rasslin Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Also, follow and like me at Facebook.com slash Rasslin Grenade. Follow me for all the latest goings on at the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. And I'm also constantly adding old school video clips and pictures from throughout wrestling history. And speaking of videos, guys, go check out my YouTube channel. 
You can subscribe to me there at youtube.com slash wrestling grenade. Nearly 500 videos and counting there on my YouTube channel as I continue to preserve my old VHS collection by converting it all to digital. And for those who don't already know it, now is a tremendous time to become a WrestleCopia patron. I can really use your support, really use your help to pay the bills if you guys like all the time, effort, and work I put in here to the, all of the podcasts on the WrestleCopia brand, whether it be the Grenade, Monday Warfare, Regional Wrestling, or all of the above, I ask you guys to give the WrestleCopia Patreon account over at patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. That address again, patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. Multiple tiers to choose from, but I'm not greedy, guys. I only ask you guys to give it a try at that $5 all-access tier. Get you all sorts of good stuff for just $5, including all of my insanely detailed book-like show notes, pages and pages of show notes for every episode of the Grenade, Monday Warfare, and Regional Wrestling as well. Plus, you'll also get early access to many of the podcasts here. Listen days and sometimes as much as a week earlier than the rest of the listeners. But it doesn't end there. You'll also receive digital downloads for your viewing and reading pleasure and remastered versions of the earliest episodes of The Grenade covering the NWA 1989 project. Includes enhanced sound quality and new content and conversations. Originally edited out of the initial broadcast due to time restraints, edited right back into the show. But that's not all, guys. You'll also get the Patreon-exclusive Watch Along series, covering many past WWF and WCW pay-per-views, Coliseum videos, Saturday night's main events, Clash of the Champions, and so much more. And you get all of that, guys, for the low, low price of just $5. No subscriptions. Cancel any time. Give it a try for a month. I think you like the content we offer. And every penny of it goes right back in to the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. You're simply helping me pay the bills to keep all of this, everything you see on social media, everything you hear here on the Podcast Network, up and running for the months and the years to come. And with all of that out of the way, guys, it's time to jump back into things here. In 1981, we're headed back to Georgia Championship Wrestling. Away we go one more time with Georgia Championship Wrestling here in 1981. Going to finish out the month of February, head into the month of March. And to do that, I got to bring back my guest co-host for this ride. You've heard him in the past on John McAdams' Stick to Wrestling podcast, as well as the 605 Super Podcast, The Mothership, with Brian Last, all part of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. He's also now a recurring guest here on the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. As part of the Regional Wrestling Podcast, going to welcome him back again, Mr. Jamie Ward to the show. Jamie, always a pleasure, my friend. It's great to be back, Ray. I've been waiting a long time to get this started again, so let's do it. Absolutely, Jamie. I mean, we've got uh, just so much still to cover here in Georgia 1981, but so much has already happened in just a short period of time, and we're going to continue on here this week, closing out the month of February and heading in to the month of March, going to try 
to sandwich another Omni card on March the 1st with two episodes of Georgia Championship Wrestling Television this week on Regional Wrestling. And a quick reminder, guys, if you didn't listen to last week's episode of the Georgia Championship Wrestling version of Regional Wrestling, Kevin Sullivan is the brand new, once again, national television champion, having defeated Steve Olsonowski on TV last week, February the 21st. But we move on now and look at some of the house shows over the next week before we head into the next episode of GCW TV. And we start this week on February 22nd in Columbus, Ohio at the Ohio Center. Georgia bringing the goods as usual here in Columbus, Ohio. Some of the matches on the card included Kevin Sullivan over Steve Kern in another Boston street fight. So that match making the rounds here around the uh, territory. Also on the card, the team of Dusty Rhodes and Andre the Giant defeating the team of the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, Gene and Ole Anderson on a disqualification. And in the main event, Andre back out there again, defeating the Mongolian Stomper. So what a card in Columbus. Not They haven't let us down yet in Columbus, Ohio. They're really trying to take over that city. Oh, yeah, they load that up uh, big time. And, um, and I'm sure Gene and Ole were billed as the World Tag Team Champions in that match. And once again, the dream team of Dusty and Andre. So they're they're really trying to uh, build their fan base up, make it nice and strong. Yeah, it's only been a few months, but every time I seem to cover a Columbus, Ohio show, I mean, it's always Dusty. A lot of the times, Andre, the Wrecking Crew, even if they're not really in town at that point in time, they always seem to stop by Columbus, Ohio as well. So really making a point to load those cards up there, try to take over uh, the northern half of Ohio. As we move on to February 23rd, Augusta, Georgia, at the Bell Auditorium. Bobby Eaton going to a draw with Ted Oates. Kevin Sullivan over Steve-O. It's Steve Kern teaming with Charlie Cook, defeating the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. Wow, Ole and Gene doing the job to Kern and Cook, albeit on a disqualification. And in the main event, it's Georgia champion Tony Atlas defeating the national champion Mongolian Stomper. I don't know if the title wasn't online, what the deal was there, but right now all the uh, information I have is Atlas over the Stomper. So at least Tony getting some wins some way, shape, or form. As we move on, this is a fun one, Jamie. February 24th, a mixed bag of talent. Trying not to laugh here as we head into Huntington, West Virginia at the Memorial Fieldhouse. And it's light on the Georgia Stars and heavy on the Sheik and company here. As we kick things off, it's no money, Malcolm Monroe, not to be confused with big money, Hank James. It's Malcolm Monroe over Chief Red Cloud. Also on the card, Bobby Colt defeating The Bug. And if you've never seen The Bug, Jamie, I just wrote, eh. <laughs> is that the guy that comes back in 84 as the manager? It is. Wow. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, it is, indeed. But he's wrestling here. That's The Bug. <laughs> yeah, he was a little guy. I can see why they called him a bug. Then everyone from the first two matches back out for tag team action, if you want to call it that. Bobby Colt and Chief Red Cloud over Malcolm Monroe and The Bug. Talk about spreading the show thin. Also on the card, The Sheik over Mr. Wrestling 2, who was a substitute for a no-show Thunderbolt Patterson. Imagine that. Thunderbolt probably either suing someone somewhere or starting up yet another outlaw promotion, Jamie. Yeah, most likely at that point, because we're not too far away from him trying to run in Atlanta. That's right. So uh, it's Sheik over Wrestling 2 on a count out here, and my guess is Wrestling 2 didn't blade for the Sheik. But then again, the Sheik might have bladed for Wrestling 2. Yeah, he subbed here. Good job there by Wrestling 2, though, subbing in for Thunderbolt Patterson. So Wrestling 2, while Georgia didn't send too many stars to this show, having to do double duty here. So uh, it looks like in the main event tag team action, Wrestling 2 again returning after his scrap with the Sheik, the team with Ted DiBiase. And it's Wrestling 2 and DiBiase over the fabulous Freebirds of Gordy and Roberts there. 
And it's so weird. I look at, you know, where everything is uh, geography wise that they can load shows in Columbus, Ohio, which is much closer to Detroit, right? But yet when they go further away east into West Virginia, a lot of the Detroit guys making the trip all the way over there. Now I know you look at the different cities and, and it's telling, obviously, Columbus, the capital of Ohio, and we're here somewhere in West Virginia for this show. But just I just found it funny that we traveled almost through Columbus to get to West Virginia. And, and then, uh, you know, th- this is what we get. Well, I'm going to guess on this one that the Sheik's take was greater. I'm going to guess the, that uh, So they didn't need to send as much talent because he's going to take the bigger take. He'll supply most of his guys. Now, as time goes on, Huntington becomes a big stop for, for Georgia Championship Wrestling. Right. And it's it's just really odd looking at this card. It's really thin from top to bottom. You know, you've got maybe three full matches. It would have been four if it wasn't for Thunderbolt no showing, but it's just really, really weird. But like you said, it, it does pick up. They do finally own Huntington at, at, at uh, some point here, I think before the end of this year. Probably also on this, the Sheik wanted to get his guys a payday, I'm guessing. No doubt. Well, the guys that were still left at this point. Uh, right, Exactly. We're going to move on to February 25th, Columbus, Georgia, this time, Memorial Auditorium. It's Robert Fuller over Bobby Eaton, Joe LaDuke defeating Charlie Cook, Freebirds, Roberts, and Gordy over Steve Kern and Steve O. And in the main event, Tony Atlas teaming with Mr. Wrestling 2, defeating the team of the Mongolian Stomper and his manager, Don Carson, back in the ring. So it's Atlas and 2 over Carson and Stomper in a Texas death match. And it'll be fun. It'll be very interesting. And- and you know, two's not selling for Carson in that match. No, not at all. And we're going to jump ahead a couple days here and head into WTBS Studios and Georgia Championship Wrestling at the 6.05 time slot, February the 28th. And our next Omni show, just 24 hours away, March the 1st, the Omni in Atlanta. No doubt about it, we're going to build to that here on this episode of GCWTV. And some of the matches on the card see... Ted DiBiase and Robert Fuller over the team of Bobby Eaton and Rusty Roberts. All three Freebirds, Michael Hayes, Terry Gordy, Buddy Roberts, preparing for that Fantasia Gamble match as they beat the team of Mike Jackson, Ken Hall, and Dave Stanley. Also on the card, Steve O. Back to his winning ways over Tim Horner here. That could have been a fun match. I bet the fans like that one. You know, Horner is a uh, just starting out here, but I'm sure he was loved by the fans, and him and Steve O probably had a great match. Yeah, Horner was always very capable, and uh, I'm sure it was scientific, but I just have to imagine it was a good one. Also on the card, national champion Mongolian Stomper over Deke Rivers, Ted DiBiase defeating Ron Horn, Ole Anderson over Zane Hickey, Mr. Wrestling 2 defeating Ken Timms, and Joe LaDuke over Jimmy Jones. And then from there, classic stuff here, Jamie. Return match from last week between Charlie Cook and Big Jim Duggan. It's reported that Duggan suffered a head injury last week, so he was granted permission to wear protective headgear. And he does, Jamie, in the form of a football helmet. Aha, he gotcha. Perhaps he should have been loophole Jim Duggan. Well, I just finished watching this match within the hour and doing a little prep work, and the fans were chanting something. Maybe they were chanting loophole, but it sure sounded <laughs> like me they were chanting cockeyed Jim Duggan. Well, that, that could Not be Duggan, it. they were saying Duggan. Duggan, Duggan, yeah. That's Duggan, two G's, guys. Uh, this is so ludicrous, but it's awesome, as Duggan does wrestle the entire match with the football helmet on. And the match goes about eight and a half minutes when the two men finally run into one another, Duggan's helmet supposedly cracking heads with Charlie Cook, who falls through the ropes out to the floor, and he winds up getting counted out half-conscious there. 
after cracking heads with the football helmet. And clever, I must say, and will lead to some football helmet matches, I'd assume, uh, upcoming in March, unless the booking changes. Yeah, I believe that is what uh, is on the schedule for at least one match somewhere. So I just I thought it was really funny, you know, the way the way they explain this. And it, it's pretty cool. Duggan, I have a head injury. I need to wear protective headgear. Sure. OK. The higher ups supposedly say and Duggan comes out with a helmet and they and they have to let it go because they didn't specify what he could or couldn't wear. So he got one over on everybody. Yeah, the referee did try to make him not wear it. Right. He, he threatened him at least four or five times before he finally said, like, oh, the hell with it. Let's go. And the show rolls on. Up next, once again, television champion Kevin Sullivan going to talk regaining the gold and also participating, you've been talking about this for weeks, Jamie, in a bodybuilding contest over the weekend. All sorts of accolades for Kevin as of late. And our personality profile this week concerns the fact that Kevin Sullivan not only is the national television champion, but uh, during this past week went into an entirely different kind of competition. I certainly did. You know, last Saturday was a big day for me. I regained... The belt that rightfully is mine. I inherited this belt from divine right, Gordon. This belt is mine from divine right. Well, I would like to talk, if you don't mind, I would like to talk about the fact that you uh, went to Tennessee and won some bodybuilding competition. Well, well last Saturday, I went to uh, Athens, Tennessee and won the Mr. Tennessee contest. I won the most muscular. I won best legs and best back. You know, it's been a hard road for me since I've been here. You know, you people have always been talking about Tony Atlas, Tony Atlas, what he's got. Well, take a look at this, Tony Atlas. You're not the only one, Steve Kern. You know, I want to get back to Steve Kern for a minute. You know, because I think I'm the strongest professional wrestler, the best-built professional wrestler, and by far the smartest one. Well, I wonder if you wouldn't mind doing us a favor. I know that you have to go through certain poses. I'd gladly do it for All you, right. Gordon. All right, I'd like to have the people see... Just exactly. We've been noticing, Kevin, over the past uh, several months, uh, the tremendous uh, muscular definition and confirmation. This that was what won me the best back, Gordon. And that is what won me the best legs and chest and every mu most muscular. But getting back to Steve Kern, you know, I was in Knoxville last week and talking to my good friend Doc Haskins and Dirty George Cavalieris, and they were telling me that this man has a lot of guts. You know, I have to admit one thing. The last time we met was a Boston Street Fight match, and it took me three days to get out of bed, so I know it had to take him a week. And you know what they told me? George and Professor Haskins, they told me this guy has a lot of guts. But the lovely Miss Flores came in, and she's got it real clear. She says, this guy doesn't get guts. He's 12 loads short. Well, this man is sick. This man I would is like crazy. to get back to the fact, how many hours a day have you been working out to get yourself in this kind of condition? Since August, Gordon, I started a severe training program. I'm, just, I'm not going to say that I'm the only wrestler that trains hard. There's a thousand wrestlers in the country. And 90% of them train as hard or harder than any professional athletes. Mongolian Stomper, i got to give current credit. Steve O, there's a lot of talented people. But I started training two hours a day, seven days a week since August, and I haven't had a day off for it. And since then, you've won the Tennessee competition. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go on to bigger and better things, and I'm going to go in this ring and whip him right now because this man has got something in my side. This man, I am going to prove either this man got a lot of guts or he's crazy, and I think this man is crazy. Thank you so very much, Kevin Sullivan, who won the bodybuilding competition and seems to have somewhat of a one-track mind right now. Let's turn it over to our ring announcer.
And there it is, Sullivan regaining the television title, talking about winning a bodybuilding contest, Mr. Tennessee, over the past week. He does some posing there for Gordon as well. Then Sullivan moves his attention to Steve Kern, talks about the recent Boston street fight that they had in the Omni. Kevin admits it took him three days to get out of bed after that fight, but it must have took Kern an entire week. Sullivan keeps wanting to talk wrestling, but Gordon keeps wanting to talk about that bodybuilding contest. Uh-uh, brother. And it's amazing Sullivan admits it took him six months of training to get into this shape for bodybuilding. And this is probably the uh, pinnacle of his bodybuilding. He is totally ripped here. Yeah, no doubt about it. He is in uh, tremendous shape. You know, I can't, I can't say anything else other than I, I post pictures of Sullivan from this era on my social media sometimes. And I get a lot of people who aren't familiar with him from this time frame going, that's not Kevin Sullivan. But yeah, it really is. I mean, even... You know, to jump forward a year when he returns to Georgia, he's not in this kind of shape that he was at this moment. No, and kudos to him because six months sounds like a long time, but we're talking bodybuilding here, not powerlifting. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like you just said, he he was wrestling during this time period. So it's really amazing the transformation from, like he said, from August to uh, late February and March. Right. uh, All that effort that he went through. And so up next, Kevin Sullivan off to the ring to defend his national television championship against the man he was just talking about, Steve Kern. And as the match gets going, Kern very aggressive here after his longtime nemesis at this point. Sullivan keeps bailing out of the ring during the matchup, and Kern finally losing his cool, chasing after and beating Sullivan in and out of the ring. Kern eventually tossing the referee down, not once, but twice, getting disqualified in the process. So Kevin Sullivan retaining the television title over Kern on a DQ after about eight minutes of action here. Yet another great TV match involving Kevin Sullivan, and this will push the return Boston street fight matches that we're going to see in the other towns upcoming. And and you see the names, and you think probably a solid match there, Sullivan and Kern. But looking back at the continuing storyline here, and it's more than just a match. It's some fun TV, and these guys quietly doing an awesome job in their feud. Yeah, if it wasn't for the fact that the Freebirds were on the same show, those two would probably be the MVPs. Yeah, it it's, would really stick out. I have to even say that about Tony Atlas to a lesser extent and some of the things he has going on. The Freebirds are just killing it, obviously. But oh, yeah, yeah. This, is, this would definitely be more noticeable if we didn't have so much other stuff going on higher up on the card. And the other part about this is both these guys arrived what, in May or June of 1980. So they've been parallel the whole time feuding over the Georgia TV title. Then they became tag team partners. They won the Georgia tag team titles. Kern goes on to win the uh, Georgia title. Sullivan gets the national television title. So they've been parallel this whole time. And the ultimate big collision you knew was coming. And both these guys know each other so well that we're at the pinnacle of their feud right now. It's But within a month, one guy will uh, come outstanding. Yeah, this feud is definitely coming to a head very soon here. And as the show goes on, Steve Kern returns to talk with Gordon Soley. He lost his cool during that last matchup with Kevin Sullivan. Repeatedly got himself disqualified. And now he's going to talk to Gordon a little more about his issues with Kevin Sullivan. I interrupt you, Gordon. I'm sorry. But let me tell you something. Every time I've been out here on television for a television title, the guy's either dumped me over the top or he's got out and tried to stall out the time. Well, today, maybe I got disqualified. Maybe I was in the wrong as far as the rules go. But Sullivan, you little rat, you can run, you can hide, 
But I'm not going to quit and I'm not going to give up because you have that TV title. You are the champion. But you ain't going to hang on to it as long as I'm after you. Because I'm going to follow you out of the ring. The last time I was in the Omni with Sullivan, I was in a Boston street fight. I've never been in one of my life. I fought Kevin Sullivan to the top of the building almost in that Omni. The next time I wrestle Kevin Sullivan, if I have to fight him to the top of the building, out on the street, all the way down to the Capitol building, I'll fight him. But I'm going to beat you, Sullivan. Remember that. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to take your TV title, and I'm going to put it right around my waist if I have to follow you around the ring a hundred times. I can appreciate how you feel. It must be very frustrating, and I'll tell you what, I... I think perhaps uh, I'd like to give you a couple of minutes to calm down and uh, uh, to regain your senses regarding that situation. It was quite, there was no question in my mind he kept breaking the count. So he, he, he so good. Why can't he stay in the ring? He's got to stay in the ring till one man loses. I can accept defeat if I'm beat. I'll stay in the ring if I have to. But if he can't stay in the ring, he ain't got no business wrestling. I heard him talking about such a great bodybuilder. This is not bodybuilding. This is professional wrestling, not bodybuilding. I don't care what he looks like. I don't care if he's short or fat. And besides, anybody from the West East Tennessee, big deal. Okay, Steve. All right, there. Is Steve Kern really hot at Kevin Sullivan, and he talks briefly there about their fight at the Omni. And he mentions res- uh, fighting with Sullivan almost to the top of the Omni, and you hear one fan screaming. That's right. I was there. I saw that, you know, so it was pretty cool that like we had a fan verify that they actually fought into the crowd and probably up into the crowd a little bit. And that would have been fun to see. We don't we don't really get any footage of that match here on Georgia TV, unfortunately. But, man, that it just makes you imagine a wild night. Oh, it had to be a wild night uh, with those two. And and having that fan speak out, like you said, that just made it all that much sweeter. Yeah, and so he talks about Sullivan constantly taking cheap ways out of the matches. We've talked about that repeatedly here for several months now has Kevin Sullivan been doing that ever since ever since he's turned heel, really. But more Boston street fights upcoming in the other house shows, so lots of people going to have a lot of fun watching those two go at it. No way out for Kevin Sullivan, says Steve Kern. Now, we know Sullivan wins the majority of those Boston street fights, but still, I'm sure the fans got a fun night of action no matter who came out the winner. Oh, absolutely. I mean. Like I said before, these two guys know each other so well, they're not going to let the fans down. Now, that interview, that was the most fired up interview I've seen from Kern during this, what, eight-month stretch. He did it and, at a and, perfect time. And, and Gordon was getting a little, uh, little edgy there. I mean, he didn't like being disrespected. Right. And uh, actually, a little bit later, Kern comes out for a second interview and is much more calm and, right. and apologizes to Gordon for his uh, behavior. But it was nice seeing a fired-up Steve Kern. They probably made him go back out there and apologize to Gordon. Very possible. <laughs> Moving on with the show, also on the March 1st Omni card, we learn it's the national heavyweight champion, the Mongolian Stomper, taking on this man, the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. Little in my time, you know, traveling in every major city there is people that contract your people you understand managers for say you know i'd be sitting on main squeeze the other night and she'd be bringing over my little snuff and i'd take a little dip laid back sipping on some cool vintage wine you understand and the fireplace just roaring up and the skiers skiing by side my chalet you understand and i got to thinking about it I got thinking who was the baddest, you know. There's a lot of bad ones, but I think there's one really weasel, one real bad 
manager, as they say. Stooge in some circles, you understand? There's nothing I can't do. When I tell you I do it, I do it. Now, whether you like the way I do it or not, it happens. Now, come time in the Omni, when the national title is at stake, and the Mongolian Stompers step in there with the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, and I'm thinking about what a good time I'm going to be having dancing on his bald head, I'm going to be thinking about Don Carson, the sneakiest, low-lifest stooge, and you go, yeah, you heard it? Yeah, yeah, I said it, I said it, woo, did I say it. So, talking like I got a lift, imitate me, saying I talk with the farm, I'm going to get him in the army. Talking like I got a lisp. Don Carson has been uh, pretending to talk like Dusty Rhodes. He had to, uh, Don Carson apparently upsetting the dream by doing so. But Dusty, he's coming for more than just Don Carson. He's coming for that national heavyweight title. He's coming for the Mongolian stomper. Yeah, those interviews that Dusty does where they're uh, previously recorded right. are are just classics all the time. They're They're much better than when he's standing there with Gordon and doing an interview. And he has a little bit of crowd in her action because he must have practiced this like 10 times before they actually airs. I mean, how could you love Dusty Rhodes back in those days? Oh, absolutely. And he's sitting there, he's sipping on some fine wine by the fireplace. Dusty just having a good old night as he uh, and you know, <laughs> you know, baby, that you got to get out to the Omni and watch me stub a hole in that Mongolian stump. There you go. That's right. That's me standing here live in color. Now think back just a little bit. Who is the only man that can look in the eye of a hurricane and make it into a rain shower? Who's the only man can take a tornado whipping through the air and untwist it into a little cloud covering the sky? Who is the only man faster, faster than an power run across the African desert? Who is the only man able to leap tall buildings at a single bound Superman? I had you fooled on that one, Jack. You thought it was me. Superman. Dusty Rose, the American dream. Live in color. You can go through all the listings on your TV. But one stand taller than the rest. One stand better than the rest. You're talking about the Omni. Talking about Don Carson and Mongolian Stomp on a national title. Dusty Rose, the night. Hell, I've been world's heavyweight champion, Jack. How many out there looking at me right now has been world's anything? Much less national champion. National title. Don Carson, I'm going to spank your hiney, Jack. You understand? You're going to have to snap back when I get through with you. Dusty Rose. Tongue and lungs are now faster than a speeding bullet. And it all goes down tomorrow night, guys, in the Omni in Atlanta. The dream coming for the national title in the March 1st Omni card. It looks like this. We're going to kick the show off. Return match between Charlie Cook against Big Jim Duggan. Joel Duke on the card against Steve-O. It's Mr. Wrestling 2 taking on Bobby Eaton. And Dick Slater back in action against Ole Anderson. And that's just the undercard on the show, guys. Then some of the headline matches feature national TV champion Kevin Sullivan one-on-one again against Steve Kern. Is that no DQ, I believe? I think they were doing another um, Boston Street fight, weren't they? Isn't that okay. what they were talking about? Uh, we'll see when we get there to the results. I, I'm sorry I wasn't as prepared as I usually am there. I know there's something coming. That's all right. uh, also, we got the Fantasia Gamble match. When two of the Freebirds, Gordy and Roberts, going to start the match against Fuller and DiBiase, 
And remember, it's Michael Hayes in the corner of the birds, JYD in the corner of Fuller and DiBiase. We know all the convoluted rules there. We talked about them last week on the show. Of course, on Sunday, March 1st at the Omni in Atlanta, it's going to be a very important night. You know something? Before we came here, we ran and we ruled Louisiana. Then we came here because everywhere we go, we run and we rule the place. And now we run and rule Georgia. And first of all, Ted DiBiase comes over here following us. And not surely behind him comes Junkyard Dog. Now, a lot of people wrote in and said they were glad that Junkyard Dog cost us to lose Robert Fuller's car. Back to him. Well, let me tell you something. I didn't let my dog sleep in that car. That car meant no significance to us at all. But what does bother me is to see you again, because I'll tell you something right now. I am not going to go through the same stuff that we went through with you before, boy. The purpose of the handcuffs last time was to stop interference, and it was you that caused us to lose, dog. So this time we're handcuffed to a pole by ourselves, and it's upon the teams of the first fall to win, because the winner of the first fall gets to unhook their partner, and the losers have to swap out, making it three on two. Now I have all the confidence in the world that they can beat DiBiase and Fuller because they've done it time and time again. But what I want you to think about, and I want you to think about it all week long, when they beat DiBiase and Fuller and you get your chance to get in the ring and maybe get your hands on Michael Hayes, Terry Gordy and Buddy Roberts are going to be standing right beside me and you're going to get all of the Fantasia gamble. The thing I want to talk about is Michael Hayes and the Freebirds. You know, I heard Michael Hayes come out here, and I heard him shooting off his mouth like he always does, talking about how I have followed him and the Freebirds to Georgia, how Junkyard Dog has followed them to Georgia. I came to Georgia on my own, Hayes, for my own personal reasons. But the reason that I got involved with you again, and the reason that this man is here, and the reason that this man is here is because none of us can agree with or put up with the likes of you and the Freebirds and your kind of people in our business because there's no place for that in our profession. And he's out here talking about this, this Fantasia gamble and talking about, you know, the advantage that they're going to have as opposed to us. Well, I think the advantage is ours because number one, Michael Hayes, you talk about you've beat Robert Fuller and I all over and everywhere. You and the Freebirds, Hayes, have never legitimately and by the rules beaten anybody. So when that match starts, and there's two men handcuffed to a corner post. That means there's going to be two against two. And as far as I'm concerned, that puts the odds in our favor. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, this match, they came up with it. And they call it the Fantasia Gamble, and that's exactly what it is. Because if you lose that fall, you're going to have to switch handcuffs. If you win the fall, you get to release your man from the handcuffs. They seem to think that's going to work in their advantage. The dog, DiBias, and myself seem to think it's not. You know... It's nothing new to me, Hayes. It's nothing new to me. Oh, I kicked your hot and once more, Hayes. You wait and see. Oh, Michael Hayes, you done got away two or three times, brother. I was handcuffed to you. You handcuffed me to the ring, and then you're jumping. But this time, Daddy, you can't get away the thump. I'm going to get you, baby. One, two, three. Woo! And I'm finally in the main event. He's going to get one more shot. Tony Atlas coming back after the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, Harley Race, this time inside a giant steel cage. As I was able to point out last week on the program, Tony, uh, Harley Race does anything in the world to keep that title, including 
uh, last time you met him in the ring, uh, he did outthink you from the standpoint that he, he got you, he lured you outside the right. ring. That will not happen. This time the match is in a steel cage. Yes, sir. You know, Holly Race, so he, he's saying the only reason he's saying the cage match is so that I don't run. Well, Harley Race, I'm going to tell you something, a little something about myself. I can't do much, much running. I'm flat-footed, I got bad knees, and I got a corn on one of my feet. So which means I can't do much running. Plus, when I was in school, I ain't did nothing but wrestle and lift weights and draw a picture. I was never on no track team. Harley Race, a lot of people told me, so Tony, if you press a man seven feet in the air and drop him on his back, he get up a few minutes later. But if you do it twice, somebody I carry out. Hollywood, I might do you eight times in the air. You're going to think you're in the Air Force. And you have to be convinced that Atlas is winning the belt here. It, it's been lit up. He pinned Harley in the tag team match. And it's just Tony's time. This is going to be it. I mean, we go back to last October with him challenging Harley Race. Right. And Harley didn't want to come around just because Atlas was still the number one contender. So... This is all or nothing for Tony Atlas. Months and months of build. Tony Atlas has went through just about everything you could imagine to get to this point here. There's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide. They're inside a steel cage. And best of all, Atlas's mom said, go on and get it, son. And that may be all it takes here. We'll have to see what happens when Atlas steps in the cage with Harley Race in just 24 hours time. And as we conclude this edition of Georgia Championship Wrestling, are there any segments you want to add here, Jamie, that I might have missed? Now, the only other thing I would add here was I was watching an interview with DiBiase and Fuller, and mm-hmm. I never realized before that DiBiase and Fuller were actually the same height. I always thought Fuller was much taller. I know Ron's taller than Robert, but I still thought Robert was taller than DiBiase. And during the interview this week, the first time I caught it, they were actually the same size. So I never realized DiBiase was that big of a guy. Yeah, neither did I. I mean, I'd have to actually go and look. That just doesn't sound right, but I believe you. I just It just yeah, doesn't it, sound it, right because I've always pictured Fuller as a pretty tall guy himself. Like you said, Ron's taller than Rob, but I always pictured Rob, you know, maybe a couple inches at least taller than DiBiase. So that's very interesting. I'll have to go check yeah, that he, out. If anything, DiBiase was the one that looked like he was hunched a little bit and Rob was standing tall. It's just one of those stupid things that jumped out on me. That's all. <laughs> maybe they threw DiBiase on a soapbox, you know, get him over. Uh, He was standing pretty close to Gordon. (laughs) So we roll on to March the 1st, and not only are they wrestling in the Omni that night, but earlier in the day, they're all the way up in Chattanooga, Tennessee, at the Memorial Auditorium. On the card, Joe LaDuke over Steve-O, Robert Fuller defeating Bobby Eaton. It's Dick Slater teaming with Ted DiBiase over the Freebirds on a DQ. Tony Atlas in wrestling, too, over the team of the Mongolian Stomper and Don Carson yet again. And in the main event, ooh, fun times, Dusty Rhodes defeating Ole Anderson in a Texas death match. Fun day in Chattanooga, and they still got to work the Omni. Yeah, the feud that will never end, Dusty and Ole. And it never really gets old. No, it doesn't. (laughs) Two two professionals that knew how to keep it fresh. Well, we're not done for March the 1st. They hop in the car, and they head back down south to Atlanta for the Omni card, and it all starts with Charlie Cook getting a little bit of revenge here over Jim Duggan, scoring a win, pinning Mr. Uh, Loophole. It's Joe LaDuke over Steve Olsonowski, Mr. Wrestling 2, defeating Bobby Eaton. Dick Slater returning from his auto accident over Ole Anderson here. So Ole Anderson continuing to do the job here in the mid-card, but he's always got a great opponent, and we talked about it last episode. Dick Slater probably returning a lot too early, but uh, it's a fun match uh, on paper anyway. Dick Slater defeating Ole. 
Yeah, Ole knows that if he ever wants to get the book back, he has to be a team player. So he'll do whatever, you know, it takes. Right. Up next on the show, national TV title match. Going to see the champion Kevin Sullivan taking on Steve Kern here. In the closing moments of the match, going to see Steve Kern with a pair of shoulder breakers on Sullivan and then locking in a sleeper hold applied by Kern. But Sullivan pulls the referee into them, forcing the break, and the referee goes down. Then from there, Sullivan off the middle rope with a knee drop, but there's no referee to make the count, Jamie. So Sullivan going to go for it again, back up to the middle rope, looking for a second knee drop. As he jumps off the middle rope, though, he lands right into the stiffest forearm shot of all time. I swear to God, guys. Kern just leaping up in the air, plastering Kevin Sullivan in midair with a forearm shot that could knock somebody out and uh, scores the win. Gets the win, wins the national television championship, does Steve Kern here. Talk about a believable finish. You might say, he beat him with a forearm? Go watch this match. He almost took his head off with that forearm. Yeah, I've never seen one connect quite like that. I mean, you have the force of Sullivan coming down and Steve Kern jumping in the air to meet him, and it just, oh, just nasty, nasty shot. I believe he could have knocked him out with that. Yeah, you want to talk about something that looks like it was a shoot. That looked like it was a shoot forearm. Sure did. So Sullivan's version on TV upcoming is going to be that he was screwed. There was no referee, which was actually his fault, but uh, Kern supposedly used the foreign object. Uh, it's, I don't know where it was at. We, we saw the forearm there playing his day on TV, but you know that doesn't uh, keep a heel from uh, telling a lie or two. Well, that's what uh, he does best. There it is. He always comes up with something good. There you have it, guys. Steve Kern defeats Kevin Sullivan to recapture the national television title. We'll have more on that in the uh, weeks to come here in Georgia. Also on the card, here it is. We just heard from him a little bit ago. The American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Defeats the national heavyweight champion, the Mongolian Stomper, to win the title. Dusty Rhodes, the new national heavyweight champion. And the crowd had to be popping for that, but we get an early Dusty finish of sorts here, guys, because the title is later returned to the Stomper after it's revealed that the Stomper's foot was on the bottom rope during the pin. So excitement that night in the air, but unfortunately the title gets overturned and it goes back to the Stomper before too long. Yeah, another finish that I don't care for. Look, Bob Backlund pinned Billy Graham with the foot on the rope. Did the WWF overturn the decision? No. But yet the NWA overturns the decision? Come on, people. We have to have consistency. But this is wrestling. It is wrestling. I guess you really can't question anything when it comes to wrestling. Even back then, things like you just pointed out, Jamie. But it's a bummer. I'm sure, you know, if I was there that night, I'm excited. I see that pinfall, the crowd, I mean, just jumping in the air with excitement that Dusty Rhodes is the national heavyweight champion. We're going to see him on our TV every week moving forward. And then, nope, nope, we find out the Stomper's belt is brought back to him on a technicality after the fact. Yeah, again, I'm not a big fan of uh, returning the title the next week on television. Up next, here it is, the Fantasia Gamble match, guys. It's the national tag team champions, the fabulous Freebirds, defeating the team of Ted DiBiase, Robert Fuller, and the Junkyard Dog. The Birds winning the first fall, thus making it three on two. And what have they said in recent weeks in promos? The Freebirds excel when it's three on two, and that they prove here again this week, defeating the team of Fuller, DiBiase, and the Dog in this Fantasia Gamble match. And once again, the Freebirds come out on top, just like they always do. And utilizing that pile driver in every turn as of late, and they use it here again in this matchup to win the fall. So 
the Freebirds really getting over that they, they are the master of the pile driver, whether it's a Gordy pile driver, a spiked pile driver, whatever the case may be, they've really been using that move. Yeah, but notice uh, Buddy Roberts isn't using the pile driver, though. Well, no. And then off to the main event. Here it is. The time has come. Can Tony Atlas get it done? Jamie, we'll have to wait and see. Two more seconds. Here we go. It's NWA World Heavyweight Champion Harley Race defeating Tony Atlas, unfortunately, inside the steel cage. And this is pretty much the end of the road for Tony here. You can't really go anywhere else with the story, but it was a good run on top. Yeah, he was on top for almost six months. Comes up that close to walking away with the title. And uh, we're not going to see much, like you just said. It's basically the end of Tony. He'll make some appearances going forward, but uh, there's really no big feuds or anything else for Tony. Right. He's slowly getting phased out of the territory. Not getting buried, just phased out of the territory. And we're going to see why here at the uh, next episode of TV here in just a little bit. Why? Uh, we got some other guys coming in. I won't spoil it for anyone yet. But uh, Tony Atlas, you know, he had a hell of a run uh, on top. Uh, lots of great stories, lots of great opponents, and he even got a few matches, quite a few matches with Harley Race in prominent uh, buildings, including the Omni repeatedly here. And it all culminates with what else but a steel cage match. Harley Race does go over. He retains the world title, but Tony Atlas has nothing to be embarrassed about. He had a heck of a run, and uh, I'm sure the fans were still solidly behind him coming out of this, but there's just nothing left in this story to tell. No, there's not. And, uh, it's a shame, but I. I think Tony goes to WWF after this run is over, so not all is, is uh, over for Tony. Yeah, I think Tony might even uh, go to Southwest for a just a short spell, and then you're right, later on down the line here in the year, he will wind up back with the WWF at some point. Yeah. So there it was, the Omni car, but the wrestlers, they never stop wrestling, Jamie. The action continues on almost every night. Well, actually, every night, and we move on to March the 2nd, Augusta, Georgia, Bell Auditorium. Joe LaDuke over Steve-O, Steve Kern defeating Kevin Sullivan on a DQ. It's Robert Fuller over the Mongolian Stomper by a forfeit. I don't have any information on that. So in replacement, it's Robert Fuller defeating Joe LaDuke. So LaDuke doing double duty here as the Stomper, a no-show uh, in Augusta. I'm not really sure, again, the reason why. Also on the card, Tony Atlas defeating manager Don Carson. I'm sure the fans love that one. And Dick Slater teaming with Ted DiBiase. There's a fun team defeating the fabulous Freebirds of Gordy and Roberts on a disqualification. Anything stick out there to you? No, just a, that must have been one hell of a match with DiBiase and Dick Slater against the uh, Freebirds, especially if Slater had his working shoes on. Yeah, a couple of machines in DiBiase and Slater there. I don't know how well Slater was at this point, but if he was 100% at least wrestling-wise, then I'm sure it was a really fun match there, especially with uh, the bumper Buddy Roberts and then Terry Gordy out there as well. And then like I said, I, I'm sure the fans ate up Tony Atlas getting his hands on Don Carson on the undercard. So fun night there in Augusta. I'm sure they all walked away very happy. We move on March 3rd, Macon, Georgia at the Coliseum. Steve O over Kevin Sullivan on a disqualification. Tony Atlas defeating the national champion Mongolian Stomper also on a DQ. It's Steve Kern defeating Bobby Eaton. And in the main event, six-man tag team action. Going to see Robert Fuller, Ted DiBiase, and Mr. Wrestling 2 over all three of the fabulous Freebirds, and we roll on to March the 4th, Columbus, Georgia. Memorial Auditorium. Steve Kern over Bobby Eaton. Joe LaDuke defeating Steve Olsonowski. Jerry Oates going to a draw with Big Jim Duggan. Ted DiBiase this time teaming with Charlie Cook over the Freebirds, Roberts, and Gordy on a DQ. Mr. Wrestling 2 this time getting his hands on Don Carson, defeating Don Carson. And in the main event, national champion, the Mongolian Stomper 
over Robert Fuller. This may be one of Fuller's real last real main event matches here, uh, challenging the stopper for the national title, but unsuccessful uh, in the matchup. And once again, on a Georgia house show, they don't make an Oates brother do a job. Yeah, lots of draws here for Jerry and Ted Oates, but they're not doing a lot of jobs. So like you said last week, it's very rare that they do an outright job, unless it's against a really high up opponent. Uh, but they don't really put him in that situation too often. No, they keep him mid-card. Sometimes they win, sometimes they draw. It's kind of funny. They, they're they just kind of sitting out there waiting for their turn. And every time they need something, they call on the Oats brothers. And uh, there they are. They're just solid mid-card guys. Hey, that's what makes a promotion successful. You got to have the guys that are on top. You got to have the guys that are on bottom. And you have to have consistency in the middle. I mean, look, you got Mr. Versatile. Uh, Mr. Wrestling 2 is all over a card. He can either be early in the card, he can be in the main event. And You know, I won't say this is unusual, but it's kind of intriguing. You notice on TV and at the Omni, we're still seeing the team of Ted DiBiase and Robert Fuller, but almost every other night on the house shows, it's DiBiase and a plethora of partners, Dick Slater, right here, Charlie Cook, it's pretty much anybody but Robert Fuller. And it's not because Fuller isn't working these shows. He's obviously right here in the main event against the Stomper, but they're slowly again phasing out uh, another uh, thing going on. Well, Tony Atlas has been in the main event for months now, and we'll see him get phased down the card. And here it is again, Fuller kind of getting phased away from that tag team with Ted DiBiase to a degree. Right, and we're about to get to a point where JYD is around a lot more, so JYD is going to get elevated along with some other people they are going to return, are going to start teaming with DiBiase. So, you know, it's Fuller's time to move on, and you can definitely see the shift in booking at this point. Yeah, it definitely begins with this next episode of TV, which is where we're at right now, March the 7th on WTBS Georgia Championship Wrestling. And for the listeners out there that love the sound bites, I got quite a few of them here for this episode of GCW. And uh, it all starts off, though, with Charlie Cook of the ring going to score a win over Bobby Garrett. From there, Steve Kern teaming with Steve O, taking on the team of the national tag team champions, the fabulous Freebirds, Gordian Roberts here on TV. And it's Kern and O defeating the Freebirds on a disqualification. Hayes winds up pulling the ropes down, and Steve O takes a bump over the top rope to the floor, but the referee misses it. Unfortunately, though, P.S. Hayes then slams Steve O on the outside, finally drawing the disqualification. So the Bird's going to keep the belts but lose the match on a DQ. And then after the matchup, it's the fabulous Freebirds on the outside trying to pile drive Steve O on the floor. When out of nowhere, and out of nowhere, it's Wildfire Tommy Rich. Wildfire is back in Georgia. <laughs> That's my Gordon Soli imitation. Brother, I love it. <laughs> well, let's listen to the real Gordon Soli make the call. And it was Steve Kern catching uh, Terry Gordy coming off, but he moved that shoulder up before the count of three, and we've got a uh, snapmare by Steve O. Wait a minute, Steve O hit those ropes, and it was uh, Michael Hayes catapulting him over the top rope. Now, Michael Hayes has him outside the ring. A full body slam out on his concrete. Michael Hayes, the referee has called for the bells, and obviously the Freebirds disqualified for Michael Hayes' action outside the ring. Wait a minute, Terry Gordy's trying to set him for a fire driver. Terry Gordy trying to set him. Wait a minute. Tommy Wildfire Rich. Tommy Wildfire Rich has just charged the ring. Tommy Wildfire Rich. His street clothes has just charged the ring. Wildfire 
Wow. So there it is. Terry Gordy trying to pile drive Steve-O out on the floor after Michael Hayes gets the Freebirds disqualified with that body slam outside. Uh, the Birds trying to basically end Steve-O's career out there, but out of nowhere, last week, Gordon Sully made a great call. No, sir. No, sir. We will not have that out here. And this week, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's the return of wildfire Tommy Rich to Georgia Championship Wrestling. Things are about to pick up around here. Uh, somebody say something about fired up, Jamie. Absolutely. The interviews are going to be awesome because now Tommy Rich is about to really take off. And if there was any doubt who who came in to save Steve-O, Gordon Sully made sure you knew five times that it was wildfire Tommy Rich. Yeah, if you just started watching Georgia in the last three, four, five months, maybe you don't know who wildfire Tommy Rich is. At the very least, Gordon Sully is going to let you know the guy's name who's out there making the save, and they made him a big deal running out there and attacking all of the Freebirds, Wildfire, Tommy Rich, back in the territory. And I, I'm ashamed of myself, Jamie, because I didn't even put this in the notes, but this episode of Georgia TV, March the 7th, was your very first episode that you saw way back in 1981. Yes, it was. I went to a, uh, a friend's house, as stupid as it sounds, guy that lived across the street from me. His cable company had TBS, and my cable company didn't. <laughs> His cable company wasn't available on my side of the street. Right. It was the wires and, weren't there. That's it. And his cable company or and my cable company wasn't available on his side of the street. As crazy as that sounds. Yeah, I had so. Upper Darby Cable Company. He had American Cable Company. And it wasn't until two or three years later that uh, you could end up getting either one. Wow. Very cool. It's it just, <laughs> just where the dividing line was. And from this point on, I see. I saw a lot of this stuff from beginning to end. Not every Saturday night, but once we get TBS come June, I see it just about every Saturday night. But I saw a lot of it from here on. All right, so you get it yourself in June. I was going to ask you, how often did you make that trek across the street to watch Georgia? So uh, that, that's our answer. Fairly often, but not every week. Yeah, not not every week. But I can tell you, for this first four weeks of March, I was over there. Awesome. Do you remember? I, I mean, I can't remember everything, you know, as it was many years ago when I saw it. But do you remember was what, what was your reaction to this particular angle? Or, or if you don't have a recollection, I understand. No, no, I remember going crazy for it because I knew who Tommy Rich was basically through the magazines. Okay. And I knew that he was in Memphis and he was a bad guy. I didn't even know he had turned back to a good guy in Memphis yet because, you know, the magazines are two, three months behind. Right. And sometimes more and, than that. And I had no idea Tommy Rich was going to show up. So this was actually, you know, exciting for me. First time I ever got to see the guy. And I had heard so much. So Gordon Soley greeted with a huge surprise. Wildfire Tommy Rich returns to Georgia. And here's Gordon standing by with the wildfire. I was hoping Tommy Rich here next week, but then you are here and there's no question about it. I had a surprise. Well, I couldn't stand it no more. Gordon, I had to get back home to Georgia, just like I said. It's good to be back with a lot of beautiful people, and I'm back to stay this time. I ain't leaving. Well, you've always uh, contained a tremendous sense of uh, fair play and justice, and obviously uh, this situation a moment ago you felt had gotten too far. Well, that's exactly right. I've been, I've been keeping up with what's going on here in Georgia, and I've seen a lot of things, and I just decided it's time to come home, come back to Georgia, and I'm just glad to be here. And any time I can help guys like Steve Kern and Steve O, I'll be here, you know. 
Well, of course, uh, something, too, with the situation of a pile driver out on the concrete. The pile driver has been outlawed in many, many states, and in the, on the concrete out here, it could have uh, caused permanent injury. Yes, it would. You know, it's very dangerous. It's a dangerous period. Out here on this concrete floor, drive your neck in, hurt the guy real bad, and you don't know how long you've been here. There's no question about that, Steve. I'm concerned about your shoulder and that arm. Gordon, you know, I hate to be out here trying to interrupt or get in on Tommy, but, you know, this is an opportunity for me to thank him. Not only to thank him, but to welcome him back. You know, I know all the fans, every place I've been, all over this state and wherever this television's gone, one thing they've asked me is, where's Tommy and when's he coming back? Well, I'm glad he came back today because we needed him and he came at the right time. But I'm also proud to have him as a friend. And I know this is one man that's going to take care of a lot of people in this area. And he's come back and he's in his own home here. Well, certainly no question about that. We're all delighted to have you back. And Steve, of course, I know that uh, you're going to have to uh, get some therapy on that arm very quickly, but you've got a lot of places to be. Well, i got a lot of places to go and a lot of things to do, but I'm just glad to see friends moving back in this area because friends are hard to come by, especially as professional wrestlers and athletes. And Tommy Rich is one of the best friends i got in this area, and I know that he's going to come in here and do one job on a lot of people. So Tommy was scheduled to return next week, but he says he saw what was going on around here and he had to come home early. And this time, Tommy promises he's here to stay. And he sort of keeps that promise for quite a while. Steve Kern interrupting there, selling his arm from the matchup with the Freebirds, and just wanting to thank Tommy Rich. And uh, Steve-O, Steve Kern, very appreciative of Rich coming out and just welcoming him back here to Georgia Championship Wrestling. And he does become a mainstay. I mean, even when Tommy eventually leaves, it's not because he wanted to leave. It's because <laughs> Dusty Rhodes asked him to leave. So we get the big return of Wildfire Tommy Rich. The crowd is really worked up here. So we're going to cool things down here at this portion of TV and uh, back to some squash matches really quickly. National heavyweight champion Mongolian Stomper over Bobby Green. Dick Slater back on TV here, defeating Ted Allen. And Kevin Sullivan going to score a win over Jimmy Jones. And then after the matchup, Kevin Sullivan going to join Gordon Soley with a most intriguing story. Listen very carefully. Sullivan no longer holds the national television championship. I'm not going to get out here and yell and scream and cry and whine. You know, I've heard a lot of people out here today screaming, crying, whining, and threatening. Because, Steve Kern, I don't have to do this because in your heart, you know, we've had a lot of, lot of battles, and i got to give the guy credit. I used to think he had a lot of guts, but I'm starting to think now he got no brains. So, Kern, what I'm saying to you, I'm not threatening you, and I'm not screaming, and I'm not yelling. But I'm going to tell you this, and this is from the bottom of my heart. I'm going to hurt you real bad. And you can make book on that. Steve Kern, I'm going to do something to you that's going to put an end to this. You know, I'm not crying about I lost the belt. You know, the first time I lost the belt to Steve O, it took Kern and O to beat me. You know that. You saw the film. This film, we'll see, it shows exactly that I had Steve Kern pinned for at least a six count. The referee was down. He got up. Kern hit me with something illegal and won. But what I got to say to Kern is this thing. You know, Kern, I admire you for one thing. It isn't how you play the game. It's whether you win or lose. And you won this game. But the game's coming down to this. Sooner or later, it's going to be mine. And Gordon, can I just say one more thing? You know, it gets back to a story that happened to me as a child. You know, people say, you know, you've changed, you don't trust anybody. But I'm going to tell you a story, Kern, and you better not trust anybody, and you better not ever turn your back on me, because I'm going to tell you something. You know, when I was a child, about six years old, my father put me in a tree, 
And he said, come on, Kevin, jump. I said, Daddy, I'm afraid I'll fall on the ground. He said, I'll catch you. I said, no, it's too high. He said, jump, son, I'll catch you. I said, I'm afraid I'll get hurt. He said, son, I'm your father. I'll catch you. Jump. Well, I jumped. As I jumped, he pulled his hands away, and I landed straight in the ground on my head. You know, and it was a good story because, you know what, my, my, my old man looked at me and he said, See, son, don't trust anybody, not even your own father. So, Steve Kern, I'm giving it to you straight. I'm going to hurt you. There isn't any athlete in the world that hasn't at one time felt the sting of a loss. I want my belt back, and no matter what I have to do, I'm going to get it. Thank you so very much. Kevin Sullivan, the... And there it is. Sullivan talks losing the TV title to Steve Kern. Sullivan says that people come out here, they cry and they whine, Steve Kern in particular. But Kern, he has a lot of guts, but no brains. Sullivan going to put an end to this feud once and for all because it's not how you play the game, it's whether you win or you lose. And Kern, he played the game and he won the title, but everybody goes through a loss every now and then, Kevin Sullivan says, and he's going to come back for that TV title one more time. Sullivan wants his belt back and he says he's going to do anything to get it. And then he tells a most interesting story here of his father and a particular tree. The end result basically leading to don't trust anybody, Jamie. But this story, it's stuck with me for decades. The first time I saw this on tape was back in the 1990s. And I've always wondered, based on this story, could this have been the tree of woe? It might have been the original tree of woe. However... I can't picture a tree of woe being up in Boston, Massachusetts, <laughs> but I guess anything is possible. But what an outstanding interview that was. That interview is right out of the Ole Anderson book of heel interviews. You don't have to yell. Right. You just get out there, talk very direct, and make the people believe you are who you are. And with that interview, you believe every word that Kevin Sullivan was saying, including the story. It's not surprising his father didn't catch him. He taught him a lesson. That's right. And I just saw an episode. We, we talked about it last episode. I just saw an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger with a situation like that. Uh, evil man had his son jump off of a ladder and didn't catch him. And I think he like broke his arm or something. Taught him. That was the lesson. Never trust anyone. Maybe he was listening to that Kevin Sullivan promo. I don't know. Very possible. I agree with you. Everything you just said about the, the uh, entire promo there from Sullivan, what I love best was really right there at the end where he was, where you said he was talking so calm, but he dismissed losing the title. It's uh, it happens to everybody. Everybody has a misstep. I just got to get it back uh, rather than coming out here and yelling and screaming. I lost the title. You cheated me. I want it back. Yeah. We all lose at some point in time. No big deal. So he kind of dismisses the fact that he lost the belt and says, that's okay. I'm just going to get it back. And that's the way most athletes would probably take the approach of it. But this is pro wrestling. Yeah. And I thought I just like, you know, I'm just agreeing with you. I thought he did a great job. Yeah. Outstanding promo. So we heard from the former television champion. Now we're going to move over to the other side. Gordon Soli standing by this time with the new national TV champion. We're going to hear from Steve Kern. Steve Kern is with me and I'm sure he's got some comments to make. You know, I listen to Kevin Sullivan's comments, and that's the first time I haven't seen him get excited and start screaming and yelling and lose his uh, control and his temper. But Kevin Sullivan came out here and, to me, wasted a lot of time. First of all, the story about his family. Well, that just goes to show that he comes from a long line of fools. Because if I had a baby or a kid, I would never tell him to climb in a tree and jump and then move. I think that's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. 
So Kevin Sullivan, I'm going to tell you something. This belt is in my hands now. That means I'm the owner of this belt. But it's passed through a lot of hands recently. And I'm not saying that this is my belt, like you claim. But if you want this belt, the only thing you have to do is beat me. And I've fought a lot of hard matches with you. Probably the hardest I've fought since I've been in this area, or in a long time. And Kevin Sullivan is a tough man. He's hard to beat, but he's a little rat at the same time. And the little rat is going to have to beat me and coming about hurting me is going to be a lot harder than he plans on. Because any time, any place, as long as I have this belt, I know you want me. So I'm going to be looking for him. All right, I'll tell you what. I'm sure, too, that they would try, if they can, to get a rematch with you and the Omni on the 29th, if possible. I understand that negotiation is uh, currently underway. Gordon, I hold an open contract. I leave my name on a contract with an open line. And I'm just praying Kevin Sullivan puts his name up there just to prove to the people that I can beat him again. I beat him right in the middle of the ring, and I beat him legal. But I took an awful lot of abuse that night doing it, and I'm not prepared to take that again. But if I have to, here's the winning trophy, this t TV title belt. If you can take it from me, you're the rightful champion. So Kern says that Sullivan's tree story is ridiculous from a family perspective. The TV title has changed hands a lot recently, but now Kern has it back and he plans to keep it. He plans to be a fighting champion and offers to even give Kevin Sullivan a rematch anytime in any town, and that he will. Do you have anything you want to add here about Steve Kern? After that Sullivan interview, which is like one of the best heel promos you ever hear, right. this is the other side. Steve Kern giving one of the best babyface interviews you ever hear. It's not fired up. It's direct to the point he's not afraid of Sullivan and he's going to face him anytime, any place. Yeah. These guys have been handling their feud very well in the delivery. They're mad when they should be. They're calm when they should be. It's not written in stone the way you should act here, but they're handling this perfectly. It's exactly what I want out of it. Anyway, Sullivan calm about losing the belt. He's going to get it back and Kern calm about keeping the belt. You want a rematch? No problem. We can do that. I keep talking about the Bill Watts influence that we keep seeing. With these two guys, it's the Eddie Graham influence is quite visible here since these two guys spent so much time learning under him in the early 70s to where it's more of a um, sporting event. That's the way they promoted it in Florida. And that's more of the way that these two have handled this entire feud. As we move on here with TV, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. Back on television together, Gene and Ole Anderson over the team of Mike Davis and Mike Cassaway. It's Mr. Wrestling 2 over Larry Sexton and Joe LaDuke defeating Zane Hickey. When out next, he's back again for another promo. It's not going to be the last time either. Wildfire Tommy Rich back out this time, and he brings Steve-O along with him. Steve-O with him, so that's good news indeed. Uh, Steve, I think everybody was uh, rather concerned. Well, you know, Gordon, I, had, I got slammed out here on the floor by Michael Hayes, and I'm limping a little bit. I got dropped on my back. I tell you, it's just not a normal thing for a, a wrestler to take, and I want to say right now, I've never met this man next to me, but I, I want to come out and say thank you if you hadn't come out, man. I might not be wrestling anymore. 
You know, Gordon, it's, it's hard enough on a two-on-two uh, two situation, but these free birds, you know, I've been watching a lot of Georgia Championship wrestling. I picked a cable up in Tennessee, and I've seen these guys. It's always a three-on-two situation with it, and I, I believe there's going to be a change. Oh, I'd like to get a hold. You know, the two guys that Terry Gordy and uh, the Roberts guy, they're both tough. Michael Hayes, he kind of hides behind them, hangs back. I don't think he's quite as tough. I think he's a little, got a little sissy in him or something. I don't know quite what's wrong with him. Well, I'll tell you what, you may have been gone, but that people know you're back now. You know, Gordon, it's good to be back, but as you can see, you know, they had the situation, Steve and uh, Steve, oh, they had, you know, they had the guys, they had them beat, and Michael Hayes stuck his nose in it, you know. I'd, I'd just like to say one little thing, Michael Hayes, Mr. Sissy, whatever you are, I got one word to you, you know, the people give me the name Wildfire, and I come back to set it on fire, and I'm Michael Hayes, I think I'm going to start with you. I hope you're out there somewhere listening, I hope, you, I hope there's a monitor somewhere back there, because I'm going to be just like a thorn in your side, Hayes, every time I see you sticking your nose knows where it shouldn't be. I'm going to be there to stop it. Fair enough. Thank you. Tommy Wildfire Rich. He's back. 150. Steve-O, he meets Tommy Rich for the first time here today, and he wants to thank him for essentially saving his career. Going to be pilot-drived out there on the floor earlier in the show. Tommy Rich says he wants at the Fabulous Freebirds, and he wants to start with that sissy Michael Hayes. You're going to start with the Freebirds. You might as well start with the big guy. Don't worry about dealing with Gordy and Roberts go right after the guy who's the mastermind of the operation. You take him out, the rest of the dominoes will fall. Listening to that interview, Steve O sounds like he might be from Massachusetts and not I, Minnesota. Yeah, I've noticed that O has some form of an accent, but I haven't been able to peg it. But I, I agree with you. It sounds like he's it could be Massachusetts. Uh, yeah, it, it's not a Midwestern accent. Um, Definitely, or at least not, not all. Not all his words weren't. But at the very end there, his last word that he said sounded similar to Sullivan. Yeah, uh, there's some other promos I've already played from, oh, I think from January. The first one I heard, I was like, where where the hell is he from? Like, I almost thought he was from freaking Europe for a second when I, because I knew he wasn't. But I'm like, why the hell does he sound like this? And then as the sentence went on, I realized, no, that's definitely not like British. But it was certainly not, like you said, from the Minnesota area either. No, that interview just really jumped out at me that. He doesn't sound like he's Midwestern or even Minnesota or Wisconsin. Doesn't sound like he's up from that area. But there it is. Tommy Rich wants to start with the head of the snake and Michael Hayes. But as we've seen so far for the past several months, Michael Hayes hiding behind Gordy and Roberts. So it may take a little work for Tommy Rich to get to P.S. Hayes. As up next, we get a nine-minute video, Jamie, promoting the return of wildfire Tommy Rich. And don't worry, guys, I edited it down ex uh, quite a bit here uh, because a lot of it's video-based, some wrestling from Memphis and things. Uh, but getting in his car, we see wildfire Tommy Rich presumably driving back to Georgia as Willie Nelson's On the Road Again begins to play here on the vignette. Tommy then explains why he left the state of Georgia. You know, I guess... Uh most depressing thing in my life was when I walked out on Atlanta TV the last time the people saw me there and, and I told them all I said I'd never wrestle in Atlanta Georgia again because I felt like I'd let the people down when I didn't beat Harley Race and right then I was mentally and physically just completely down and I called my mother at home and, and I told her I said mama I said, I think I'm coming home. And she, you know, she was tickled to death. She said, well, Tommy, she said, I'll get out and I'll find you a place and we'll have everything ready when you get home. So I went and I loaded my car up and jumped in the car and I headed to Nashville. 
and I took off and I got there and I talked to the promoters and they said sure we'd love for you to wrestle for us and, and so I started wrestling in Memphis, Louisville, Kentucky, Evansville, Indiana just all over the area where I first started but it, it just didn't it didn't seem like things was just not the same the the people were different the buildings wasn't the same it was just uh it was just like I was a stranger there and uh you know, and, and I was men mentally and, and just physically down, and, and seemed like every time, every time that I got in the ring, it, it was a, every match was tough. It didn't matter who I wrestled. Seemed like I ended up getting my brains beat out. You know, and and just I had to fight for everything I got when it should be easy. It wasn't easy, and and I just I don't know what's the matter. So Rich felt like he let the people down when he didn't beat World Champion Harley Race for the title. So he called his mama and said, Mama, I'm coming home. So he headed home to Nashville, and he started wrestling the Memphis Territory again where he got his start. The people were different. The buildings felt different. He felt like a stranger there now. Even the easy matches didn't seem to come so easy. As we saw clips there from the Mid-South Coliseum, Tommy Rich having a rough go of it in Memphis. Yeah, this is Tommy saying he turned bad guy without saying he turned bad guy. Yeah, he just didn't know what he was doing with himself. It, everything just seemed different. It wasn't right when he left the state of Georgia, but he explains that he was embarrassed that he couldn't do what he promised to do for the fans, kind of like what Tony Atlas just did here and Dusty Rhodes. Uh, he wasn't able to put away Harley Race for the world title, and Tommy Rich, he just wanted to go home and kind of regroup, and like you said, turned heel uh, in the Memphis territory. Uh, but he's back now, as we will see, or as we already see, and we'll continue on this story here. We continue now with more of this Tommy Rich vignette. He's going to talk about his return to Georgia Championship Wrestling. You know, I woke up one morning, got up, I looked at myself in the mirror, and, and I could look at myself, and I could look at myself and tell that I was mentally and physically just at rock bottom. And I knew this wasn't the Tommy Rich that everybody had hollered and shouted for before. And, and, and I knew nobody could change that but myself. And I, and I didn't know. I didn't know if I knew how to do it, but I knew I had to do it because not only did I quit wrestling in Georgia, but, but the way things was going, I was going down a one-way street, and I wouldn't be wrestling in Tennessee or nowhere else much longer if things kept going the way they are. And so, so that's where I had to just sit down and suck it all up and put it all together and take it all in stride what had happened to Tommy Rich. And, and that's what I did. And that's when I started doing my job and taking care of business. And, and, and the people started hollering and screaming. And they got behind me. And, and now then, not only am I winning my matches, but all the people are behind me. And I really do think I'm going to be a winner. Now. You know, I finally got it all together. I'm running. I'm working out every day, and I'm winning all of my matches now. I feel like that Tommy Rich has finally got it all together. And I'm finally, you know, and I'm living up to the name that all the people give me wildfire. You know, I'm, I'm proud, you know, I'm proud of that, and, and I'm, I'm proud to be back to the old Tommy Rich. I feel like I finally got it together. But, you know, there's, there's one thing that's holding me back. Last night I woke up in the middle of the night, and all I could think about was Georgia. And then the other day I got up, and I, and I don't know if I dreamed it, somebody told it to me. Or, or where I heard it at, I, I don't have no idea. But I heard what I heard was, home is where the heart is. And my heart's in Georgia. And that was originally a nine-minute video. I whittled it down to about just over three minutes. You guys are welcome. But if you want to see the whole video, it's up on YouTube. Go check it out. So lots of Tommy walking around the woods here. As he said, he felt like he had hit rock bottom, Jamie. Nobody could change it but him. 
So he put things into perspective and began getting that fire back. Perhaps that wildfire back. Winning all of his matches, now he's back in shape, and he's proud to be back to the old Tommy Rich. Just one thing holding him back now, he's been dreaming about it and waking up thinking about Georgia. Because home is where the heart is. I guess you could say that Tommy Rich has Georgia on his mind. And Georgia is where Tommy belonged. I'm going to guess the whole Memphis thing was probably similar to the David Von Erich heel turn in Florida, where if, if Tommy wanted to be considered for an NWA run with the belt, that he was going to have to learn how to play heel. And I'm guessing that's what the uh, whole Memphis thing was. He, he did that. Now's the time to come back to Georgia. And if you're reading through some stuff in between the lines of this whole interview, uh, it's kind of setting the stage for something that's going to occur in about two months. You're, you're right. You got that spot on. But here's my thing. So, Tommy Rich, how can we miss you if you don't go away? And Tommy was in that Tony Atlas position where he got to the dance, he challenged the world champion, and he lost. There was nothing else to do. It made perfect sense to maybe take Tommy off of TV and, and let him go do something else for a few months, like you said. Uh, specifically, give it a go as a heel, much like you said David Von Erich did. He went over to Florida and did the heel gimmick, which was fun, by the way. But um, Tommy Rich returns now. He's the baby face. He's ready to roll. And, and yes, there are big things coming for Wildfire Tommy Rich over the next few months here in Georgia. Yeah, Tommy was gone, what, 10 months? Uh, uh, when did he leave? Was it August uh, or was it before that? I do not believe he was there for the summer of 80 because okay. in our um, setting the stage, I don't remember speaking about Tommy Rich. I don't remember off the top of my head when that match was. I wanted to say August for some reason, but I, I very well could be wrong. Well, we'll I'll it could have been June, but, but it's definitely by July and he's gone. Well, we'll verify it on next episode. Uh, I'll uh, do some digging. I could do it right now, but we've got so much still to cover here before we end the show. So I won't do that to you guys here right now. But yeah, it's really interesting. I'm curious how long he was gone and what he did, how long he was gone there over there to Memphis. But he's back now. So that's the important thing. Tommy Rich back and he's looking at the Freebirds in the short term anyway. And speaking of the Freebirds, up next, it is the National Tag Team Champions. We're going to hear from them right now. Michael Hayes and company, it's the fabulous Freebirds. Just that, uh, during that uh, Freebirds match with, uh, uh, as you can see, there's our here. And, uh, of course, they lost that match because of the outside uh, situation with you, sir. And I, I don't know how you could possibly... It, it, absolutely defeats my imagination how you could possibly think of allowing any of your men to attempt to pile drive somebody out on the concrete floor let me tell you something solely let me tell everybody out there something including tommy rich ted dibiazzi junkyard dog the whole kit and caboodle man when we came here we came here to take this place over that's just exactly what we've done now this sign right here might say georgia Championship Wrestling, but brother, it should say Freebird Championship Wrestling because we are the ones who rule this place. And I don't care about nobody, about your family background, about what you think you've done, or about waking up finding out that home is where the heart is. Because let me tell you something, Jack, you'll find a broken heart every time you turn around because Fantasia has took over everywhere. And there's people trying to stop it. And they're trying people, people like Paul Jones and the promotion. But let me tell you something. Somebody said the other day, 
They said Michael Hayes would not act the way he did if his mama and his daddy had whooped him right when he was a child. Let me tell you something, Jack. I kicked my daddy out of the house the day I was born because I was raised my mama's son. And when I hit the ground, I was on the run. And I've been running all over people all my life. And I'm not about to stop because I've got a brother here. i got a brother there. And they're going to stick by me. And that's all I need, baby. That's all I need to stick by me. So you get everything together, Sully. And I hear you out here saying, I'm a half-court low on my oil. I'm not full deck. No, I'm not playing with nobody. I'm dead right serious. Because they are, and we are, the national tag team champions. And nobody, no way, shape, or form is going to stop it. And not in no city, not in Los Angeles, not in New York, not in Columbus, Ohio, not in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, not in the Omni, nowhere. Because before I give up these belts, you're going to have to run over my dead body. Sully can't believe the Freebirds wanting to pile drive people on the concrete floor. Then Michael Hayes saying the sign shouldn't read Georgia Championship Wrestling. It should read Freebird Championship Wrestling as Michael Hayes questions Tommy Rich. Home is where the heart is? You'll find a broken heart everywhere around here, courtesy of the fabulous Freebirds. Hayes ain't here to play. He is dead serious, and he sounded like it there. And ain't nobody going to take the titles from the Freebirds over Michael Hayes' dead body. And things will continue to be very serious with the Freebirds as the tag team champions. I got chills going through my body right now. This is the Freebirds I fell in love with. For the last couple months, the intensity of the feud with Fuller and DiBiase just hasn't been there. You had JYD come in. Hayes did do a good promo or two around that. But this is pure Michael Hayes at his best. And you know that the puppet master behind the scenes was poking him with the prod to get back to where he was. Yeah, we'll talk and about that puppet master <laughs> is. Yeah, we'll get to him in a minute. It'll get, yeah, we'll definitely be getting to him in a minute. But a very deliberate promo, a very different Michael Hayes this week. And I have to agree, there may be somebody there that's giving him a little advice on what he needs to do out here to uh, take this to the next level. And I think they did a great job. And I don't know if you caught it, Jamie, because I didn't catch it until this time right here listening to it. It's probably the third or fourth time I heard the promo. You notice the names Michael Hayes rattles off there that they're you know going to be feuding with. He talks Ted DiBiase, Junkyard Dog, Tommy Rich. Did you notice Robert Fuller's name left out of that? Yes, I did. Because just like the Plowboy, he's off to the farm. <laughs> Moving away from Robert Fuller. I, I think he works some shows here still, much like Tony Atlas, but he doesn't do a whole lot more before he's out the door. And as we close out this edition of Georgia Championship Wrestling, a couple more matches here. It's Big Jim Duggan over Ken Timms and Bobby Eaton scoring a win over Mike Hartness. Not familiar with that guy. Uh, but then we get a very random, but maybe not so random, VTR of a matchup. We're going to go all the way back to 1975 in Tri-States Wrestling pulling this match out. It's Cowboy Bill Watts defeating the hippie Mike Boyette with the Oklahoma Stampede. Is Bill Watts back? Oh, yeah. I mean, at the time, I had no idea what a booker was or anything. But, right. but looking back at it, it's very obvious that he was extremely obvious in charge now. Oh, yeah. The, the Cowboy, Cowboy was back. <laughs> inserting a match that is, what, six years old here on TV featuring him. And, and he's certainly not a full-time wrestler at this point. He's not even in the promotion, at least on TV at this point. But 
just a random Cowboy Bill Watts match to fill up the, uh, the end of the show. Do you remember when they did the, what was it, the 20th anniversary of Georgia Championship Wrestling or Wrestling on TBS? 92? In 92, yes. In, in 92, and, and he was in charge at the point, that time. Right. And they showed, it might even been this match. They showed a match from back in the 70s. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember them showing uh, a few different clips, and uh, I remember Bill Watts being one of those clips because I, at that point, I had never seen Bill Watts in a, in in the ring, you know, in his heyday. I mean, you know, so right. Uh, I was like, I really marked out on some of that stuff, and even some of the little clips they showed at this that Slamboree pay per view in '93 as well, because it went back to if you weren't a serious tape trader, you you weren't seeing anything like that uh, up at that oh, point. No. So they really it really stuck out in my mind at the time. Bill Watts, you know, yeah, I, I get it. He was booking in, in WCW as well. So it made sense, and it probably was the same match. He probably carried around with him in his bag everywhere. And he's not ashamed to put himself over, that's (laughs) for sure. Clearly, he's not even a wrestler here, and he's putting himself on the show. No explanation, just closing the show with a Bill Watts match. As we move on, we're going to look at a few house shows here before we close out this edition of Regional Wrestling, if that's okay with you, Jamie. That sounds good. We're still a few weeks away from the next Omni card, March 29th, I do believe. But for right now, we're going to look at a few shows, and we're going to go to March 8th in Marietta, Georgia, at the Cobb County Civic Center. Kevin Sullivan over Steve-O. Joe LaDuke defeating Bill Dromo. Jerry Oates going to another draw with Jim Duggan here. It's Robert Fuller, still here for now, teaming with Charlie Cook over the team of Mongolian Stomper and Don Carson. So Fuller lately seems to be working with Stomper, who was one of the guys he brought in. But Stomper's a champion, so that's going to have to change before too long. And then the main event, it's world champion Harley race in town over Mr. Wrestling two there in Marietta. And we continue on also March the 8th, Columbus, Ohio at the Ohio center. And and here it is again. Wait till you announce the main event and who's in it. All right. So it's Ted Oates over Bobby Eaton, Ted DiBiase defeating Steve Kern, the Freebirds of Gordy and Roberts over Dick Slater and Tony Atlas fun match there. Wildfire Tommy rich does get his hands. On the Prissy Sissy, it's Tommy Rich over Michael Hayes. That had to be fun. And in the main event, yet again, Andre the Giant and Dusty Rhodes defeating the Minnesota Wrecking Crew of Ole and Gene Anderson. And once again, Andre and Dusty in the main event, Ole and Gene, main event in Columbus, Ohio. And I I have to agree with you. I'm assuming they were probably billed as the World Tag Team Champions. So the World Tag Team titles on the line there in Columbus, Ohio as well. And hey, Tommy Rich and Michael Hayes, and they didn't even get a chance to advertise that match because nope. he just came back yesterday. Right. Yeah. It's so uh, phenomenal. I would have loved to have been there and only about an hour and a half from me too. We go on more action. This can't be right. Three shows on the eighth. I don't know. One of these dates may be off. Maybe that Marietta show was on the seventh. It says Chattanooga, Tennessee guys, Memorial auditorium, Bill Dromo over Bob Garrett, Joe LaDuke and Jim Duggan defeating Charlie cook and Jerry Oates, Steve O beating Kevin Sullivan on a pinfall. Mongolian Stomper over Robert Fuller and NWA World Champion Harley Race again, defeating Mr. Wrestling 2 in a no disqualification match. Race scoring the pin there on Mr. Wrestling 2. So it looks like these this is possible. Maybe a triple shot there on the 8th because it looks like the guys that were in Marietta went to Chattanooga and the guys in Columbus only work Columbus. Yeah, that's what it looks like. I was just about to mention that. that that's what it appears. So we go on March the 9th, Augusta, Georgia, the Bell Auditorium. Jim Duggan going to a draw with Charlie Cook. Steve Kern over Kevin Sullivan. Georgia champion Tony Atlas defeating Jilda Duke on a DQ. It's Robert Fuller over Don Carson on a countout in a Texas death match. Kind of weak there. Ted DiBiase over Buddy Roberts. And in the main event, Ted DiBiase again wrestling 
this time. I'm assuming the rules here, if, if I'm reading this right, if DiBiase beats Roberts, he goes on and wrestles Michael Hayes, which is our main event, DiBiase over Michael Hayes on a DQ. I want to go back real quick to the Fuller over Carson match. Texas death match here, and it's by a countout against a manager. So uh, clearly Robert Fuller not booking that. And then I, I, I don't know if you're, you're with I'm me on guess this one. Cor- Carson probably pulled a Lou Albano and just left. There you go. Well, that's good call. I could see that happening. And then the main event, it looks, it appears to me anyway, DiBiase wrestling two separate Freebirds here. So it probably was DiBiase. If he could get through Roberts, he would get Michael Hayes in the ring. And that, of course, ending in a DQ because Hayes not going to do the job just yet to Ted DiBiase. No, not at all. March the 10th, Huntington, West Virginia. They're back in West Virginia here at the Memorial Fieldhouse. Chief Red Cloud over Jim Waddle. The Bug over Bob White on a disqualification. Flying Fred Curry defeating the Assassin. I don't think that's Jody Hamilton. Assassin number two also in action. It's marked as Don Kent here. So Don Kent over Thunderbolt Patterson, who did bother to show up this week and do a job. And in the main event, a return match, Mr. Wrestling 2 over the Sheik in a steel cage. I would have liked to have seen that. Yeah, you know two had to bleed in that one. Oh, I would, I, I would say blood. most definitely, but at the same time, just just the uh, just seeing that the sight of Mister Wrestling Two and this Sheik inside a cage here in 1981, it would have been interesting. Two more cranky old men. <laughs> Closing out this edition of Regional Wrestling, we're going to finish up March the 11th in Columbus, Georgia, at the Memorial Auditorium. It's going to be Bobby Eaton going to a draw with Ted Oates. So again, neither of the Oates boys. It's so far anyway have done one job here in the last month in Georgia Championship Wrestling. Yeah, they protect the Oats for years. Charlie, But then again, probably half the people there are are their relatives, so you can't have them lose. (laughs) It's Charlie Cook also on the card over Jim Duggan. The team of Steve Kern and Steve-O defeating Kevin Sullivan and Joe LaDuke. That sounds fun. Also, Mr. Wrestling 2 over Bobby Eaton. A substitute here for Don Carson in a Texas death match. I'm curious to see the house show matches moving forward. Has Don Carson gone from the territory? I don't think so here, but we did the count out the night before, and now here it is wrestling two over Bobby Eaton, uh, subbing for Don Carson in the Texas death match. And then in the main event this time, it's Ted DiBiase going over on Terry Gordy in order to get to Michael Hayes. So DiBiase over Gordy, and then it's also DiBiase over Michael Hayes here in Columbus, Georgia. You know, maybe Carson went and tied a load on after that last match and couldn't find his way to Columbus. That's uh, always a possibility. Carson was quite the character from my understanding. Well, that's why I make that comment. I, <laughs> I, I heard he could put it away. Yeah, I've heard a few stories. I can't verify any of them, but, man, they're crazy. So that'll wrap it up this week for Regional Wrestling, guys. Lots of uh, more action here to come in the month of March. And Wildfire Tommy Rich is back on my TV screen, Jamie. Anytime Tommy Rich is on a screen from here on out, you're going to get fired up. Somebody say something about fired up. Wildfire Tommy Rich is back, and he'll be here each and every week now. So there it is, guys. Uh, another couple weeks in the books, a couple pair of TV shows, and another Omni card out of the way. And we got another Omni card upcoming in just a few more weeks' time. And uh, I don't know if we're going to get to it next episode or not, because I think we had to get through three more weeks of TV in order to get there. But before we get there, we're going to have all kinds of fun, Jamie, I'm sure, over the next three weeks of TV. Oh, it's going to be a good time, and it's all going to – there's a major one coming up. Not to put any spoilers out there, but people are going to want to stay tuned. 
Big time angle alert coming before the end of March. No doubt about it. You guys are going to want to hang tight here on regional wrestling until we get there. It's going to be, wow, it's going to be a hell of a time. And it's just going to keep going from there. More big angles right after. Oh, it's going to be a monthly occurrence from here on right through probably 4th of July of 82. Every month is going to have one major angle that old timers like myself will remember. Yeah, and uh, these these live on forever. These are not something that were uh, a big deal back in 81 or 82. These angles, you can watch them today, and they still make you pop. And, and, and guys should really try to steal these and recreate these today uh, versus some of the stuff we do get on TV because, wow, some of this stuff is just classic uh, gold. Yeah, but most, most of this stuff, compared to what is happening now, takes weeks or months to build up to that crescendo where today they just do it for the hell of it and there's no impact out of it. And I'm not trying to bury today's business. Oh, guys. no, no, not at all. Just, but this is a territory a based podcast. So yeah, it's just a pet peeve of mine on the current uh, wrestling scene that they just don't build things up long enough. I, I understand, you know, they're not using squash matches on television today, but still they, it just doesn't quite have the feel. No, I completely agree with that statement, Jamie. Uh, you're, I'm in the same boat with you, uh, so we're on the same page there, So, which is cool. And obviously, we wouldn't be doing this show if we didn't have a love for the uh, territory era anyway. But yeah, just lots of huge things coming up very soon, so stay tuned to Regional Wrestling for those. Uh, but Jamie, for now, we're going to close up shop here this week. want to thank you for fitting a show in. I know you got some family coming into town. I hope you have a great time with them, and uh, just stay st- safe and happy time with all the fam. Oh, it, it will be a good, uh, definitely a good time. The grandkids are coming home. We haven't seen them for a couple months and uh, a lot of good stuff in the Ward household coming up. But the whole time I will be thinking, when are Ray and I are getting back for Georgia Championship Wrestling? Because so, it gets me excited knowing that we're going to be talking about this for many, many months to come. Oh, my God. Yes. I mean, we're only in the month of March. There's still nine full months plus the rest of March. We just we just broke the seal on March. So. We've got a long way to go, but I'm not complaining about it. You know, I'd love to say, oh, man, we shot through the entire year of 81 in, in X amount of weeks, but I'm just having fun as, as we go along, and I'm in no rush to get through this. I'm just, I am just want to do it right. I want to make sure we uh, hit on everything, which I think we've been doing a great job with, and uh, even the little things that I miss, Jamie, you've been picking up on, which is great. I love it. So uh, everybody out there, if, whether you were a Georgia fan to begin with, whether you guys you know are retroactively picking up on the territory era, no matter what the situation is, just appreciate you guys here along for the ride. All the loyal listeners of the WrestleCopia brand of regional wrestling and Jamie, once again, want to thank you so very much for your input here because it's priceless really, because you lived this and you're finally here March the 7th, your very first show. So you're really going to start sharing with us your memories, your vivid emotions of uh, some of this stuff. So it's going to be really exciting moving forward. Yeah. And, the more I get into watching it, the more stuff is going to be triggered. I have friends that are just loving our podcast. All our buddies over at the other ship podcast just love the deep dive that we're doing on this, going into each individual house show, making our little comments and really digging into the, the Omni shows and the, the television. Uh, a lot of these guys weren't old enough to see it the first time. So all those guys are now enjoying what we're doing. And which reminds me, if you have a chance, check out The Other Ship. It's a brand new podcast. Give them a listen. They talk more than just wrestling. They talk music, comics, uh, fantasy sports, 
They're a good bunch of guys, so give them a listen when you get a chance. So there you have it, guys. The other ship. Jeez, I hope Stephen P. New doesn't send me a cease and desist for that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that'll do it, guys, here this week. The other ship. Uh, love those guys. I took your advice, Jamie. I checked it out, and uh, really cool dudes. Um, hopefully, uh, when I have time, I can listen from here uh, from time to time moving forward. I'm so busy. Uh, you know, I get a lot of people requesting me, Ray, can you listen to my show? Tell me what you think. Do you have any advice? And it's like, I just, I'm so slammed with things to do. I try to get things in when I can. And, uh, I like the idea of a wrestling podcast, but every once in a while you want to hear a little more. It's like you said, the other ships is the way to go. That, and also oh, my buddies over broken K fade with Frankie Seacrest and Ariel Abelog. They're very similar to the other ship, but there's a little more comedy involved in that one. So if you guys have a moment, check out uh, broken K fade also. Yeah. Broken K fade, very laid back. I actually got a chance to listen to an episode of that recently as well. And, uh, I enjoyed it myself. So, uh, again, thank you for uh, plugging those shows, Jamie, and making me aware of them. And I appreciate them uh, mentioning us on the, on their shows as well. And I'm glad we're we're entertaining them with, with what we're doing here. Absolutely. They're giving us some great plugs. So it's it's nice to give back. Oh, yeah. We can do that here on Regional Wrestling. Uh, but for now, guys, we're going to get going. Jamie, I'm going to let you get ready for the uh, family coming up. Got to clean up the house or whatever the case may be. I know that's what I have to do whenever my brother comes and visits anyway. But I got like yeah, you know, 80 kids running around. <laughs> but uh, Jamie, I just appreciate you being here, man. And I look forward to doing this again really soon. Yeah, my pleasure. And we'll get back together in a week or two. And that's going to wrap it up for this week. Hope to have Roman Gomez back soon. Miss you, my friend. I know you got a lot of work right now. Roman really busy at his shoot job. Again, I got to thank you, Jamie Ward, for getting another show in here before your family comes into town. Of course, I am your host, Ray Russell. You can follow me on Twitter at Rasslin Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. And we'll be back soon with more of Georgia 81, Mid-South 86, and who knows what else coming soon here on Regional Wrestling, where we talk the territories. <laughs>